Uh, we do have uh, Andrew Catalan ready to go. We'll cut back to uh, tennis, hop right in with him. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us once again. Uh, you're having a great season so far. Mike here, I'll turn you over to Ira in a second. But me and Ira play a game um, going back and forth on Sundays. Where, where's Catalan? You know, and we <laughs> first one to find you, you know, watching Red Zone Channel. Yeah, NFC West matchup yesterday, if, if I'm correct. This is something, you know, you, normally you're, you're with an AFC team. Can, you, can I explain how this, this turned out? You know, guys, good to be with you, and happy Thanksgiving. It's been a wild year for our crew, and, you know, the rules are a lot more relaxed now. But with NFC on CBS and, you know, AFC on Fox, but I've had a number of NFC-NFC matchups this year. I did Washington-Atlanta. I did New Orleans-Chicago. I did Giants-Washington yesterday, Seattle-Rams. For me, it's it's a lot of fun because I get to see teams I normally haven't seen in the past. So it's a lot of studying, but it's a lot of fun to be in some different environments and see some new teams and faces. Before I turn you over to Ira, so I'm a Giants fan. Week 8, you got to watch the debacle that was. Or watch, you got to do the play-by-play for uh, Jets and Giants. Do you ever have a time? Like, me as a fan is watching this game, like, not interested. <laughs> Has this ever happened to you? It's like where you're, you're three-quarters into the game just like, oh, this is like really sloppy stuff. Yeah, more punts than points in that game. I don't think I'll ever forget that game. I mean, it was just, it was so bad, it was good. And for a guy who grew up in New Jersey watching those teams play, it was, it was, it was just surreal uh, to be at the Meadowlands that day. Yeah, not a great game, but there was, it was still close throughout. I mean, it came right down to the final play. So there was a lot for us to talk about, but it wasn't all good, that's for sure. All right, what do you have for Andrew? So, Andrew, this year you have T.E. Barber and Matt Ryan in the booth, a three-man booth, which is uh, which is a little different, you know, than what you're used to. And I was, I had the sound on yesterday. I had my, uh, you know, YouTube. I had the NFL Sunday ticket to listen to. And I love the interaction that you had. I mean, at several plays you, where Matt said, I want to do this, be more aggressive. And I said, well, what would the running back decide? And I think that was fun to see with the three-man booth with you, Tiki, and Matt. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you. It's, uh, it's, it's unique. You know, a three-man booth is not easy. Uh, there's not a lot of them in the NFL. I did one when I first broke in with Steve Berline and Steve Tasker, so I got a little experience with it. But the key is you really have to have three selfless people, and, and that's, what, that's, my, that's why I think it works for us. There's no one on our crew that has an ego. I mean, Matt is right off the field, his first year broadcasting. I can't say enough good things about him. He's a great guy. He's a great teammate. He shares the ball, which is great. And Tiki's the same way. I mean, Tiki... Um, you know, obviously does talk radio in New York City, so he's used to having to share a microphone with a couple of other co-hosts on his show. So I just think that the the experience that we all have, and for Matt, just kind of seamlessly moving in from off the field, it works. It's a fresh perspective, and uh, we've been having a lot of fun together. How do you decide, like, I mean, I did not hear you guys talk over each other once, which I was in shock. And, and I know that you, when you were sitting, you're sitting to the right. Those two sat next to each other. How do you control that in terms of who makes the next point? Is it, do, you like, do you look at each other, or do you, how do you use fingers, hand signals, or uh, how do you work that? Yeah, there's hand signals. There's tapping on the shoulder. There's an occasional push. I mean, we've, <laughs> we've got to be able to communicate without really communicating on the air, if you know what I mean. I, I think it's a lot harder for the two of them. I mean, I know that I'm going to call the play when it's second and ten and snapping the football. That's my job. It's up to them, like, who's going to take the replay after? Who's going to talk after this play? If it was a really good quarterback play, does Matt get in? If it's a running back, is it Tiki? But you also don't want to fall into patterns where it's, like, okay, it's a quarterback, it's Matt, it's a running back, it's Tiki. So I give them a lot of credit. They have, they have good eye contact. They hit each other. They talk to each other uh, non-verbally when I'm still finishing the play. So, uh 
it works. I don't know how it works, but it works. And I don't want to get into the whole sideline commentary, and we're not going to go, go there, but A.J. Ross, who does your sideline, yesterday, boy, she had a lot of challenges because the injuries, I mean, that's the one thing for someone, who, first of all, who enjoys the game, but also for fantasy perspective, Ken Walker gets injured early in the game. But in the fourth quarter, when Geno Smith gets hurt, Drew Locke comes in, throws the interception, and then both of them, you don't know which one was going to go in the game, and she's, like, trying to report, well, this one is, it was pretty cool to see decide, like, what's happening actually in the game, and she gave a great perspective. Yeah, thank you. She's tremendous, and sideline reporters are so valuable because they see things down on the sideline that we can't see in the booth. I mean, I can see, you know, when Gino's like throwing the ball on the sideline, but I can't see him unwrapping his elbow unless the camera's on it. She's right there, and she can report all that to us, whether it's on air or off camera. Um, and, and she does a great job, so we're really lucky to have her. And you had a great game yesterday. Anyone who watched the Seattle at Rams game, you know, the fact that 16-7 to 7 to start the fourth quarter, the, 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 the Seattle was up, and then Drew Locke throws the interception, Rams drive down, score, then they score a field goal, and then the Seattle has a chance to win at the, at the end of the game. I mean, that was definitely super exciting, and you have the whole narrative of Geno Smith and about Stafford, and it was just, just a crazy fun type of game. Yeah, that was a fun one, coming right down to the wire. I thought that was a big loss for Seattle, too, because you look at their upcoming schedule, quick turnaround, they play San Francisco on Thanksgiving night, then at Dallas, then at San Francisco, and then home to Philly. I thought that was one they really needed to have before this really brutal four-game stretch. And we'll see if on a short week, Geno Smith's even able to play on Thanksgiving night against the 49ers. So, as a big loss for Seattle, I give the Rams credit for, for not going away and, and chipping away at that Seattle lead. But uh, I think the Seahawks are going to remember this one maybe later in the season if they come up a game short of the playoffs. You know, you got to give Matthew Stafford credit for on a player who's now doing a couple years of, of removed from winning a Super Bowl. He still hangs in there, still plays hard. Like, it's that intensity. Everyone thinks that the Rams are just going to just pack it in. But Stafford, as we know from Detroit, is just a tough guy. Yeah, he's playing through a lot. Did not play in their last game because of the thumb injury. I think he's, you know, as these quarterbacks get older, there's a lot of different things that nag him, and I'm sure he's dealing with a lot of that right now. He spoke multiple times about how important the bye week was for him, not just for his thumb, but for his entire body. And, you know, this is not the same team that went to the Super Bowl. They're a lot younger. You know, Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator, told us it's a remodel, not a rebuild, but a remodel. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're younger. They they you know they have they've been given away a lot of their draft picks the last few years. That they're finally able to kind of build in the draft a little bit. So it's they're in a they're in a different state. They've got the veteran quarterback, but a lot of young guys around them. So it's a unique mix. But they're hanging around at four and six. Yeah, and the week before you did Tennessee at Tampa Bay and. As someone who's a Penn State fan and Will Levis, you got to then spend time and seeing what the Will Levis in terms of, you know, this week he had a tough week. Last, the week before, was actually a very good week for him. So talk about in terms of what the Titans see in Will Levis and, 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 and where, where are they going with that. And, and certainly Vrabel, he's the one coach that's really struggling this year, has had a lot of losses in the last couple of years, but doesn't not seem to be on the hot seat at all. Yeah, you know, I think it's really hard to evaluate Will Levis right now, Ira, because the offensive line is just shambles there in Nashville I mean they, they are a mess you know the game that we had in Tampa you know I, I couldn't get a fair assessment of Levis because he didn't have any time to throw the football I mean, he's just trying to stay alive back there so I, I think what you know we met with them you know in Tampa and I think that they really like the, the ceiling of Levis I think that they have high hopes for him um, and I think it was the right move for that team I mean I don't really think 
you know, especially now after the loss yesterday at three and seven, that they're going to be making any moves towards the playoffs. Tannehill's in the last year of his deal. I think I think it was a good move to go to Levis, and I like Mike Brable. I, I think he's a great coach. I just think that with all these injuries and, and now a new GM, and, and they're going to start looking to to see what's down the on the horizon with some younger guys. I think Levis will be at the center of that. So this is not looking like their year, but I, I think that they have some nice parts to build around, including Levis. And then to turn to Tampa Bay, um, boy, the NFC South. It's like every team has problems. Every team's either 4-5 and five or 5-5 five and five with between Atlanta, Tampa, and New Orleans. But in terms of Baker, I mean, it's fun. You have Baker, you have Derek Carr, you have a lot of energy and enthusiasm, mistakes. It, it, it's going to come down to those final couple games, I think. It's going to be like the 500 team, the team that you know wins at the end. Yeah, I've seen all those teams in the division. I saw Carolina in the preseason, but I had – the Saints, Falcons, and Bucks in the regular season. Saw Tampa Bay twice. I mean, week one in Minnesota, that was when Kirk Cousins was there. The Bucks looked great. And then they really cooled off at the beginning of October with that, that losing streak. But I think in that division, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's going to come down to the last week of the season. I always thought the Saints had a bit of a leg up. But now they've got some injuries. And, and I think that it really you could make a case for any of those three teams. So, you know, for Tampa Bay, it's all about the defense. I mean, when you know Todd Bowles, that's that's what he does. You guys know that. And, and when they weren't winning games, their defense didn't really play that well. Uh, they played a lot better against Tennessee, and then they had a tough San Fran team yesterday. So they're kind of riding that wave up and down, but so are the Saints and so are the Falcons. So I think, once again, the NFC South is up for grabs. Which Do you know what week, what game you're doing next week? Is it the Jacksonville game? Yeah, this Sunday we've got the Jaguars and Texans, which I think is one of the best games on the schedule. We're really excited to go down to Houston, and uh, I can't wait to see C.J. Stroud in person. I saw Stroud versus the Steelers a couple of weeks ago in that game when the Steelers thought, you know, they were walking in, you know, thinking they're so great. And, you know, the Steelers can't, they can play a high school team and probably would score would be 10 10 in the fourth quarter. But, um, yeah, I was impressed that with the J.J. Watt game. You'll, you'll see a lot with the J.J. Watt in terms of the appreciation for his career and everything with that. But, no, this is going to be exciting because Jacksonville, they've certainly rebounded from their loss to the 49ers. And I'm, I'm intrigued with Lawrence. I know Mike, my co host here, is not a big fan of how Lawrence has been playing, but Lawrence. <laughs> And Stroud, I think it's going to be a super exciting game. I agree with you. I mean, I, I think that these two quarterbacks are going to be, you know, part of the future of the league, whether you like Trevor or not, Mike. I mean, I, I think Trevor Lawrence is a really good quarterback, and I think he's got a great coach in Doug Peterson. It's a great marriage. I mean, I know a lot of people were down on them after losing to the 49ers, but I mean, look, Jacksonville's seven and three. Uh, you know, they're they're in a in a great position going forward. And you could have both the Jaguars and Texans make the playoffs. I mean, I don't think that's out of the question here, especially with the injury to Joe Burrow and how the Jets are sliding. And, you know, Denver's hanging in there, but the Raiders are in trouble. and The Chargers are down. Bose is out. So I think you could see both the Jags and the Texans uh, make the playoffs. But whoever wins this game on Sunday is certainly going to take over first place in the division, control their own destiny the rest of the way. And, I think it's a really exciting matchup for the for not only this week and this season, but I think the future of the NFL. Two guys that I think will be around for a long time. Yeah, that game will be a national game. I'm sure in South Florida we'll be able to hear to hear the game because the Dolphins play on Friday against the Jets. So that'll be great that the whole country can hear your you know your team do it. So that'll be exciting. And to turn to the Jets a little bit. 
I mean, what a year. I was at the game. I was at MetLife and I missed, <laughs> I came, I never come late. I came with a friend and I came like 10 minutes late to the game and missed Aaron Rodgers getting hurt. And the season has just been now, it's almost like they're just chasing and chasing and chasing uh, for that. Now you've had them twice this year. So what's the feeling in terms of Robert Sala and how he's trying now they change with quarterbacks from Zach Wilson to Tim Boyle? Yeah, it's a mess. I mean, it's all anyone really talks about up here in, in the New York area is just what are they doing at quarterback and, and is this ever going to work? And finally they make the change. I mean, look, I, I think they've only scored nine offensive touchdowns in ten games. Uh, you know, it's, it's an absolute mess. And uh, I understand why they tried to ride Zach Wilson to see if he could catch fire and then find it, but clearly that's not happening. And, you know, the shame in all this is I think they really do have a legit defense. I think that Robert Sala's defense is really good. There's some great players on that side of the ball. And uh, it's just unfortunate what happened to them with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I, I think that if Rodgers stayed healthy, I'm not saying they'd be, you know, necessarily winning the division because I, I believe in Miami, but I think they'd be right in the mix. And, and this would be a huge game on Friday if Rodgers were playing and, you know, there's a lot of you know big games left for the Jets. They would have had C.J. Stroud in a couple weeks. I mean, they, you know, obviously the schedule makers thought a lot of putting the Jets on national TV so much as well. So, you know, I think it's really disappointing. We'll see what happens with Tim Boyle, but it's uh, it's not looking good up here for Robert Sala and the Jets. Just a very disappointing season. Now it's you know this year has been crazy. I mean it, it, it's something that's happening, but with the, with the injuries now you have Joe Burrow who's out, you have Cousins who's out. Um, certainly you know the Colts, Richardson they lost him, uh, Aaron Rodgers. I mean it, it is it's amazing the you know with in terms of the injuries this year. Justin Fields missed a number of games. Stafford of course missed a number of games. Um, the value of the second string quarterback, the value of the quarterback that comes in is going to be so important. It seems like in order for these teams to make the playoffs. I think it's a great point. We said it yesterday on our show, too, because, you know, Carson Wentz was signed off the street by the Rams to back up Matthew Stafford, which at the time I was very surprised by. It's not like I don't, I don't think the Rams – I mean, the Rams still have a, a, a wild card shot, but they have an uphill battle, and it's like, why do they bring in Wentz? Well, I think that's the reason why. I mean, you, you know, they, they played Brett Rippon in Lambeau two weeks ago, and they scored three points, and they <laughs> cut him after the game. I mean, it, these teams see the value in the, in the backup quarterback because, you know, so many teams now just don't have the right guy. Um, you know, Tommy DeVito, you know, when he came in, they didn't let him throw a pass. Uh, <laughs> got hurt. Now, to his credit, he played really well yesterday in Washington. But, um, you know, the Tyrod Taylors, the Jacoby Brissett's, I mean, these guys have a lot of value because we're seeing that there's not a lot of great quarterbacks around. And, if you uh, if you want to make an investment for the future, I think you have to have a, a really a veteran guy that can come in and you can trust. The Jets didn't have that; they paid the price. Uh, I don't know how it's going to work out for the Bengals, but we're about to find out. Um, but it's, you know, look at the Colts. I mean, they're hanging around because of Gardner Minshew. I mean, he's done a really nice job. He's a he's a good backup quarterback. They're five and five without Richardson. So. You know, I think that more and more, I think that'll be a big thing going forward next year. Teams making sure they have a, a steady presence behind their starting QB.
And then the team that everyone thought was going to have injuries to their quarterback, I mean, I think they should all send him to do jujitsu, whatever <laughs> Tua was doing, because he's learned how to fall, and he stayed. he's the quarterback that stayed healthy. And no, I know you have not covered the Dolphins, but I'm sure you've watched a little bit. But you must be impressed by the fact that the fact that Tua is staying healthy and the fact that Hill's having this monster year, and they have all the excitement, and they're getting their running game going, and the improvement to their defense, which is actually what won the game against the Las Vegas yesterday. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey played a great game. I love watching them play offense. It's a lot of fun. You just you don't know what's coming. Um, <laughs> now, look, I think a lot of people will say, I want to see him, you know, in a big spot, beat a big team. Uh, I get that. But at the same time, they're 7-3. and three. Uh, The Bills are leaking a little bit of oil here. So I think Miami has a chance to kind of pull away a little bit in the division. And I would not want to play them in the playoffs. I mean, I think they're capable of scoring 40 points every time they take the field. Did not like the injury news about Achan yesterday. That looks like that could be something they have to monitor throughout the rest of the year. But as you point out, they've got other guys who can step up if he's not able to stay on the field. So, you know, I understand that, they, you know, they had a couple tough losses this year that people will look at, but I still think that they're a very dangerous team come January. And then you just mentioned Buffalo for a second. It's weird. I mean, everyone criticizes Josh Allen. They're so mad at Josh Allen. But I think almost every team would take, like if the Steelers, if you don't, like on my mind I'm saying, if you don't like Josh Allen, the Steelers, please, I'll drive up and drive him down to Pittsburgh, right down to I-79. We'll take him, come down. Like, like if you don't want him, like that's, that's my opinion of Allen in terms of I, I would just prefer, I mean, you know, you know you always have a chance when he's in the game. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm a huge fan of Josh, and I don't think this is about Josh. Yeah, he's thrown some interceptions this year. He's got to be a little more careful with the football. But to me, you look at this Buffalo team, and it's the injuries on defense. Uh, they lost Daquan Jones. They lost Matt Milano. They lost Tredavious White. Those are three key, key parts of their defense, and they're not coming back at all. So I mean, maybe Daquan Jones will come back. But of the three, he's probably third on that list. So I think that that... They just took a big hit with the injuries. You throw in some turnovers. You fire the offensive coordinator. It just hasn't been a good year so far, but I still wouldn't count them out. I don't know if they're going to catch Miami in the division. I know they're only a game behind now, a game and a half, but uh, you know maybe they can still get in the wild card, and I don't think a lot of teams would want to play them because of Josh Allen, but it's not the, the dangerous team that I thought the Bills would be at the start of the year, and I think a big reason why is the injuries. And then the one final question, Andrew, and I appreciate you coming out. I know you're a little under the weather, so hopefully you'll come down to the Dolphins in Miami. You can feel better. The weather will be nice and, and warm <laughs> here. But the Philadelphia-Kansas City game tonight, uh, I just can't wait. Not wait. When we finish the show, I'm going to rush home to watch it. What's your feelings of the game and, and everything? You have all these, you know, the Kelsey brothers, the back of the Super Bowl, so many storylines, pretty exciting. Yeah, no, I think it's a good one, you know. Selfishly, I miss so many games because I'm working on Sundays, so I'm excited to get to watch this one tonight. I think the Eagles got a good chance in this one. I think Philly's going to come in there with something to prove, a point to prove, a little payback maybe from the Super Bowl. And, you know, obviously playing at Arrowhead is not easy. And I think it's going to be a great game. I mean, you know, you could certainly make a case that these two teams would meet in the Super Bowl again this year. I mean, why not? Um, so I'm excited to watch, and uh, you certainly got the backdrop of the brothers going head-to-head, and it should be a lot of fun tonight. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. I know you, I said you were a little under the weather. Um, appreciate it. Your insight is amazing, So, and best of luck. I will maybe get you on maybe at the end of the season one more time. I'd love to, but uh, thanks again for coming on I Run Sports. That sounds good, guys. Happy Thanksgiving.